Thank you for listening to the On The Rise podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The music composition and vocals is done by Graham Best. Your host, of course, is the property shark, Mr. John Lee. Have a wonderful day, and we will, of course, see you next time on our way to the top. Cheers. What's up, everyone? John here, also known as the Property Shark, and welcome back to another episode of the On Rise podcast. Today we have Taylor Lynn Huey with us. Taylor, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. You actually said my name right too. I'm so impressed. Some people totally pronounce that last name wrong. Um, but yeah, I'm honored. <laughs> Honored to be here. Um, we're off to a good start. Um, yeah, and I'm just excited to connect with you. I've known you for quite a few years now, but it's good to kind of reconnect, actually. It's been a while. Absolutely, absolutely, Taylor. Um, and, you know, definitely I've, for, the, for the years I've known you, you've, you've always done tremendous things and you've always made an impact in the community. Um, but for viewers that don't know too much about you, could you give them a quick introduction about yourself? Yes. yes. Rick is my beautiful. Um, but I, so first off, I'm the founder of the Beautiful Organization. Um, we, we provide confidence classes for young girls in elementary schools. Um, and that's kind of something I've been doing for the past almost seven years now. It's uplifted my career into other directions as well. Um, and then I also own a clothing line, which is connected to the uh, not-for-profit organization. Um, I dabble in the modeling and acting world. Um, and overall, if you can't find me working, which is most often I am working, um, you can find me eating at really good restaurants. I love to figure skate, and I'm huge into tropical vacations with my family. <laughs> <laughs> There's me in a nutshell. <laughs> Wonderful. And when you say tropical, you know, what's, what's your favorite destination spot to visit? Oh, that's an easy one. Honestly, it's got to be Hawaii. I uh, was quite fortunate that we went there every year as a family, um, as like our, our getaway and our vacation time together. And I feel like it's a second home to me and it's just got such an amazing culture and energy. And yeah, I feel really privileged to have been immersed in the Hawaiian culture itself. So feels like home to me. That's wonderful. And, you know, for people that haven't been to Hawaii yet, there, there's a lot of islands. Is there one in particular that, that really stood out? To be honest, not really. Like, all of them are amazing. And I think because I have memories in each one, I probably have a certain attachment for different reasons. I really do love uh, Oahu and Waikiki. Obviously, it's like the staple beach. I love surfing and I can't do the big North Shore waves. So Waikiki allows me to do kind of like medium baby beginner waves. Um, so Waikiki is fun, lots of live music. Um, you can drive still to the North Shore to see kind of all the, the big scale waves and surfers. And yeah. then Maui too is also awesome. Totally different experience, very relaxed and everything kind of shuts down by 9 p.m. But if you're wanting a complete um, detox, let's say, from, from life and the crazy busyness of it all, it's a really, really great place to go. So I think those two would be my favorite. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I've been to Hawaii like once. I think our, our family, we took a cruise. So we did hop 
island we hopping. Island hopping. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, so good too to get a taste of everything. Exactly. And it's like I gotta go I gotta go back. Like every like every island just has their own unique uh, like it just I don't know, something about Hawaii. Totally. Well in Kona, like it's very lush. Like you just have, yeah, very different uh, I almost almost want to say like textures on each island, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a great place, and I think we're lucky in Vancouver. You can often get really good flight deals. I'm like the treasure hunter of good flight deals for Hawaii. So if anyone's ever interested, contact me. Um, I've always got my finger on the pulse for it. But um, yeah, and it's it's great. It's like a five hour flight from us, and like sadly, it's cheaper to fly to Hawaii than it is half the time to fly within our own country. Yeah. So it's kind of backwards that way, but I'm also not complaining because who doesn't want to go to <laughs> island? <laughs> <laughs> I got to hit you up. <laughs> yeah, there. Now when you're ready, let me know. I got you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Taylor, kind of take me back to uh, like the the whole idea and you know, like and how you started beautiful. Like it's it's a it's an amazing journey and i've seen yeah. you grow and so thank you, you know. well it's funny because um we knew each other in high school so <laughs> i think you've seen almost the full journey of it actually so i started uh the organization i say started meaning i like drafted an outline in my notebook when i was 16 years old and didn't really think it would go anywhere um but the story kind of starts with myself having been really cyber bullied when i was in grade eight um, yeah, I just had a really negative experience with the media and how social media can be a really negative tool on one's self-esteem. And by the time I was in grade 10, I had three friends that had really bad eating disorders and no mm. one really knew about it. Um, and that's kind of when it started to occur to me that there was this underlying issue for young women to feel like they have to be someone they're not and to achieve these unrealistic standards of beauty that exist and surround us constantly um and you know and even the girl that was bullying me i now look back and realize she was really just suffering with her own self-esteem issues and chose to take it out on other people as opposed to like really reflect within herself um but all those kind of life events in my high school years led me to like my grade 12 year when I finally was like no it doesn't have to be this way it shouldn't be this way and I was lucky you know my mom was a really strong foundation for me and, and raised me to be brave and use my voice. Um, and a lot of young girls I met didn't have that and didn't have that support system at home. And so we created, or I created this program that basically um, hosted intimate groups of young girls in elementary school. We talked about body image and self-love, nutrition, um, what is media literacy, what is social media, um, and just really focusing on ways to develop a stronger sense of who we are as individuals and not having to compare ourselves to what we might see, not even in our magazine or on TV, but like in our own schools and in our, within our own peers. Um, and so I started that as like a baby project, wasn't really supposed to go anywhere. I just really, really loved connecting with young girls and telling my story. And it kind of just snowballed. I, I connected with a lot of other influential women within Metro Vancouver that had gone through similar things or were still struggling with body and uh, self-esteem issues. And we kind of like just grew and grew um, to the point where, yeah, we now have worked with over, oh gosh, we must be almost close to 1700 young girls now across BC. Um, and 
our programs happen kind of all over Metro Vancouver. Um, there's six week programs, five week programs. We do weekend boot camps, and we also do like wide scale conferences for young girls, which is um, how I explain it. It's like we day meets almost like a big sister, little sister experience. And you put those two together and it's like this intimate one day event um, that you get to meet a mentor and build relationships and just have a lot of fun. So it's kind of been a very like long process, but so rewarding. I wouldn't change, I wouldn't trade it in for anything really. Right, and a lot of these programs are, are fun too. Like, you know, there's a lot of dancing involved and- um, Yeah. <laughs> We try to, and that's the key, right? Like, I think that's always the ongoing discussion too within our, within our board of directors and with our mentors is how do we keep this like exciting and fun and really it comes down to we're not there to be a teacher. We're not there to be a therapist or a counselor. We're just there to be what we call a soul sister. And that basically is someone to support you to talk about the sticky stuff, to maybe deal with challenging topics that you wouldn't feel comfortable talking to your teacher about, maybe even with your mom. Um, but at the same time, evolving, like involving dance. And um, we do a ton of art and crafts. Um, artistic therapy is really huge for us. Um, we have like sleepover days where girls like wear their PJs and we bring popcorn and chocolate and we don't sleep over, but you know, we make an environment of that close, connected, you know, one-on-one -on -one discussion um, kind of environment for them. And so, yeah, everything's done with a little bit of sparkle, if you will, um, and just making sure that we're still relatable. Um, and that's a huge thing to our mentorship team is quite young. Um, you can start mentoring as young as 18. And we usually say you, you kind of phase out of our mentoring age at around like 35, 40. Totally make exceptions. We've had a little bit of younger, a little bit of older, but I think as long as you embody that youthness, that that eight-year-old or that 10-year-old is still gonna connect with you, then perfect. That's amazing. So you had this idea, like written it down in your notebook when you were 16, wow. And so so take me through how you were able to overcome you know the, the cyberbullying and and all the negativity that 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 you were kind of dealing with at the moment because i feel like a lot of people they they before you help someone else you have to help yourself and and i think that's where a lot of people get stuck is is like you're saying you know with the bully too that that bullied you instead of you know digging into her own issues and trying to figure out what her own problems are and the solutions to that she took that anger, that negative emotion, and she dumped it on someone else. And it's just, you know, that that's what most people do. But you were able to kind of really reflect on your situation and really come out of it stronger. So um, how did you do that, Taylor? That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's process and journey is always going to be a little bit different. Um, but for me, it was having that foundation of like, a rock and at home and that rock was my mom and um you know she always was my best friend growing up and someone I felt like I could talk to and so when all this was going on she was really there just to not only support me but like reassure me that I am enough just as I am and I don't need to conform to standards um or do what bullies are telling me to do just to fit in or to be someone um, and so it ended up, you know, the bullying went on for quite some time. And then eventually I was able to confront that person, um, and kind of bring to light, like how much they had really impacted my life that year and hurt me. Um, 
And it's funny because at that age too, I think it's hard for anyone to be confronted, but especially when you're like, you know, a young preteen, no one likes confrontation and likes to be, you know, approached in that way. And so the, the feedback and the response wasn't even that great, but I think it was the process of me being able to acknowledge that this wasn't just a me thing. It wasn't something that I was doing specifically to inflict on this person. It was a we thing. Was this person not being felt or heard enough? Were they struggling with something? Was I ignoring what they were struggling with? So it was kind of this like cycle of as much as they're bullying me, can I help that person who's maybe hurting? Or can I acknowledge that there's something beyond hurtful words that might be going on with that? And so I think just internalizing that and realizing that I can also be a support system for that person as much as they may have hurt me in the long run. Um, it's kind of looking past that and moving past that. And then when my friends, you know, kind of confronted me with things they were struggling with, whether it was eating disorders or parents going through divorce, um, it was just, again, coming together and listening and being there for one another to help those people get through it, to help myself get through it. So again, I think it really comes back to community and connecting with people, um, just so you know that you're not alone. We're all humans, we all go through things, um, but at times I think it really can feel isolating, especially when you're that age and you don't feel like you have anyone to connect to or that's gonna relate to you. It's important to find that one person, whether it is your mom or it is your friend. Um, maybe you get to be that friend for that other person. Um, but I think that's what like drew me to the foundation and starting the organization itself was that I could be that person for a young girl who's struggling. Wow. Wow. That, that's amazing, Taylor. And I think you're right. I think a, a common theme that I keep hearing you bring up is community and having that safety net um, to be able to have that conversation comfortably you know about topics or subjects that might not feel comfortable when people bring it up per se um from your point of view you know you mentioned this was a long process you know what what was the most challenging thing um in terms of getting from idea to now where well, <laughs> i'm still dealing with all the challenges no it's you know what, what doesn't, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but not even that. It's looking that each failure is really a, a form of success. And that's always what I preach. If I could say like one life motto, it would be that make every failure a new form of success because um, there was a couple years there at the very beginning. I just graduated high school. I no longer was under, um, you know, the high school curriculum. I didn't have the same foundation that I built the program on, meaning I didn't have the district support anymore. I didn't have teacher support anymore. They sure, they liked what I was doing, but that I couldn't fall under their like youth programming. And so, um, yeah, when I turned 19, that's when it honestly hit rock bottom almost. And I remember this day so clearly that I had to represent our program for the school district. Um, and I walked into that room. It was full of uh, superintendents, um, none of which, by the way, were female. And I presented, you know, my program, the success we had seen, um, the overall rates of attendance, um, how I had maintained connection with these girls, even after the program in a mentorship capacity. And I basically got shut down, funding was cut, I wasn't allowed in the school district because 
I didn't have a degree under my belt and I didn't seem, um, I didn't seem, I guess, accountable enough, if that's the word. I didn't seem um, professional enough because I didn't have, um, you know, a bachelor's degree or a master's under my belt. And they couldn't see that my experience, at least to me, was worth so much more than a textbook could have ever provided. You know, I said, you can, I can memorize a counseling textbook to you. I could, you know, study in psych and major in it. Um, but my life lessons and like what we're really teaching these girls about just loving yourself and loving your body and being confident. I don't think you can learn that. I think it comes from discussion and it comes from experience. So that was, it was a hard year because it basically kicked us out of the school district. Um, I felt very defeated because as a, like a young girl coming, you know, bright eyed, fresh out of high school, seeing all the success we had had with like our pilot programs, um, it was pretty defeating. And that was, uh, yeah, just a low moment where I didn't even know if we'd ever come back up and be able to be in the district again. So it was challenging. But um, I've made it this far and we're back in the school districts and, you know, it goes to show we, I didn't need a degree under my belt. I just needed to show that what we were doing worked and it was valuable. But um, it was about a year process of just doing as many programs on our own as we could to prove that we were ready enough. And um, yeah, basically credit, our credibility was there to say like, hey, this is what we provide, this is our success rates, and there's no reason as to why we shouldn't be helping your students, especially as a free program. Wow, and when you hit the, the lowest lows, how did you get yourself out of that to continue to push through? Was it your passion, was it your drive, was it just your, your belief in the importance of this that got you over that? Like, what was the driving force behind you being able to to push through even when it felt like, you know, it was the end and, you know, nothing was going right for you. No, absolutely. I think um, you said a few words there that stuck out, but passion for sure is one. And that's something that I totally live by and that um, I do feel like I, I kind of found my calling, if you will, um, at quite a young age being that like female empowerment is so my world and like, so what my heart just like is invested in. And so I think it was almost um, definitely the passion that fueled me, but it was more or less like having these adults at that age too, you know, 19 and you've got this like 40, 50, 60 year old telling you like, nope, can't do it. You don't have any credibility for this. You have no authority to be teaching this. Like we don't believe in what you're doing. And um, it was one specific like sentence this guy, man said to me and he said, uh, you know, we don't need to teach self-esteem because that's what, what parents are for. And I thought, interesting, because who's to say that the young girls that we're teaching don't, maybe they don't have a stable family. Maybe they have a dad but not a mom. Maybe they have a mom but not a dad. Maybe their parents work two jobs, so they're not around to teach those values that you they seem to think are so inherent and sometimes really do need to come from like a community um, and positive just surrounding and circle. And so I think like hearing that and realizing that they were kind of blinded by what I was seeing um, or from what I was seeing inspired me even more to prove them wrong. So it was almost like hitting that rock bottom is what allowed me to come up so much more like fiery and 
and passionate about what I was doing. And I think having done the pilot test, if that's some advice I can give for anyone that's ever wanting to start some kind of project, prove that what you're doing is valuable and prove that what you're doing works. So for us, it was like, here's our success rate. Here's the girls that have given us this feedback. Here's what we've seen in their progress. And you, and you can't prove, you can't, you know, ignore those facts. And when you mentioned, you know, that you found your calling and your passion, uh, how does one do that? Again, with, with an overwhelming amount of information in today's society, a lot of people don't know what their interests are, let alone their hobbies or passions, and they just feel like they're stuck in their day-to-day -day mundane life that they don't really enjoy. You know, they, they lose that spark in them. Um, yeah, and it's, it's an interesting one because I don't know, like, what do you, do you think a passion can be found in your experience? Or do you think a passion is more something that you almost like discover over time? I'm just curious as to like what you believe. I personally, I, I believe that passion is discovered over time. Um, and there's a couple of ways to go about it. You know, like, I feel like if you leverage and lean on someone who's kind of done that before and their experience and hear their life story, you might be able to speed up that learning process a little bit to see if that's the outcome that you want to get to. But then again, I feel like you just have to try a bunch of things to figure out like what sticks with you. If that kind of makes sense. 100%. Yeah, no, I love that. And to build off of that, because I agree, I think um, personality really has a play into it as well. For me, I, uh, my family would say I'm passionate about too many things, probably, because I do, I, I find I have a lot of love for life in general, but I do something, I'm like, wow, I love this. I could do this for the rest of my life. I try something new the next week. It's kind of, and it's kind of like a blessing and a curse at the same time. But I think, um, I always say it comes down to like that that feeling in your gut and that feeling in your heart. And it's something I can't describe, but like when I'm teaching a class or when I'm hosting a, a large scale conference with these girls, I have this emotion inside of me that it's like I'm on top of the world, but it also makes me feel like it's just my purpose. And I think that's what would align me is if you find your passion, it, it often aligns with what your purpose is. And that might change. Your passion might change. Your, your purpose might fluctuate a bit. But for me, if like my purpose is to help young girls find self-confidence or find self-love, then often, obviously, my passion will be, I'm passionate about teaching. I'm passionate about building huge scale events that help girls find confidence. I'm passionate about starting a clothing line that makes women feel confident. So there's always like this interconnection to what I feel like maybe my greater purpose is. But I also know a ton of people who haven't found it yet and that's okay. And you might never, but I think, um, the more curiosity you allow into your life and again, like being okay with failure, that's something, a huge thing I think you have to get over is it's okay to fail. Um, that will allow you to kind of find something you are passionate about because you remove this fear of failing if you try things. Um, but if you kind of know your purpose, I would like, dig along that path to see if you already kind of know what your passions are, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Taylor. And thanks for kind of diving deep into that too. 
um, and giving the perspective on the other spectrum where it's like one spectrum is like, I don't know what my passion is. And the other spectrum is I'm equally as passionate about a bunch of things, you know, that I <laughs> And it makes things really confusing. Um, but you know what? It's like all the more to love life and to explore life. Um, but there's no wrong or right. It's just like you said, two sides of the spectrum. And also not comparing yourself to that person on either side. Especially during this special time, I'll call it in life. I think there's a lot of um, hype around, you know, you're isolated, you're sitting at home, you should be discovering how to how to write a book you should be learning at eight new languages you should and the list goes on and it's like hold up as long as you feel good about what you're doing and that's and you're doing it for you and not for someone you see on social media or not for someone not by someone telling you to be better or be more ambitious then i think you're on the right track um it's easy to get lost into all that outside pressure again like just knowing who you are and knowing what your boundaries are, I think that'll allow you naturally to find what your passions kind of lie in. Um, but especially right now, I feel like there's a lot of external pressure to just be and act to the best of your ability because we have all this time on our hands because we're isolated. And I think that's the wrong way to look at it personally. No, I, I completely agree with you on that. And even sometimes I fall victim to that myself. It's like, okay, like now I have all this extra time, which is X amount of hours that I used to go out to socialize, you know, yeah. with my friends, or I go out, you know, to, to watch a movie with my significant other, or I do this and that, or I have hobbies and interests. And now I have 10 extra hours a week <laughs> to, to spend. And now it's like, okay, like I, how do I spend it wisely in that? And Sometimes I even feel guilty about, you know, taking an evening off to just chill and watch Netflix as I'm, I, I guess I overwork since just like you. <laughs> no, yeah, I can relate a hundred percent because it is, it's that, again, it's that like inner voice that's telling you, okay, like on to the next, like, how are we being motivated? Like, are you changing the world right now? But that's this pressure that I think society not only forces on us, but then we internally also put on ourselves so it's good though that you realize that because that's always like the first step is figuring out okay if I can shut my mind off from having this you know high mountain achievement that I'm trying to kind of cycle through every day mm -hmm. then it relieves some of the pressure elsewhere but it's tough but if there's any advice I can just say like as long as you feel good about what you're doing on an everyday basis then don't worry about what anybody else is doing I think 100% agree with you on that. That's so important. Just go with your feeling, you know, feel it out. Like what, what your gut says, what your heart says and, and go with that. Yeah. It's really cool. Actually, there's this, um, this guy I know, and he recently discovered painting and it was kind of the same thing. I think he just did it as a one time wine night painting night that you can do and like somehow figured out like he loved it and then like started just consistently consistently painting and drawing and now it, he has turned it into like his full-time job and i think that's so amazing but it's like he went to school for something completely different um was definitely more on like the athletic sports teams as opposed to like the drama arts world and it's just been a really cool experience for me to watch even just through social media how he's like transitioned his passions and like kind of found more of his purpose through trying something new but being open to it um, and I think as we get older, we become more 
open to those ideas, but I don't know if you can relate to this, but like in high school, I definitely felt I was judged more, more critiques, you know, what was cool, what's not. And that, that has a huge influence on like what allows you to explore passions because you're afraid of what people will think, which is ridiculous when you look, when you think about it, but the truth. 100%. And I think everyone like falls into a victim of that is just, oh, what will X person think or a Y person think about me doing this? And yeah. I think for me, I just one day I was just like, like, who cares? I'm just like, well, like if I actually did it and they said something bad about me, then so what? It's like, not like my life is going to be completely turned upside down and like, it's going to have an impact on me at the end of the day like I am you know the one in charge of my life and, and I control you know the, the outcome of all these events and, and occurrences and you know if I see it as a positive and I see all my failures as successes and wins then you know why would I let someone's opinion affect me you know absolutely no great perspective and that's like again something you want to carry on I think into anything that you do so you nailed it that's wonderful. And Taylor, I really want to kind of touch on community and, and I want to, I'm curious to hear like what, how you define community, you know, and why it's so important. Oh, community is a big one for me because I think every aspect of like my life and my career comes back down to community. Um, how I would define it. Oh, that's a tough, I don't even know. I would say community is the collection of people who may or may not believe in what you're doing, but do believe in you. And so I say that just because maybe, random example, but like maybe you are deciding to pick up and start a new company in Thailand. And there's a group of people who, Mm, that's not going to work out for you. You know, don't speak Thai, uh, not, not a native country for me or native language, I should say. Um, you know, it's definitely like new territory, you know, so they might not believe in what I'm doing, but the fact that they'll still support me because they believe in who I am as a person, I think that's almost what defines community. Um, and just uniting um, with a group of people that, feel loved and make you feel loved and that you can build a connection with. Um, and there's different types of communities, but the way I see it is like a community for me is often like a really big version of like a sisterhood. If I'm thinking of like a, a female empowerment world. So it's something that like I've always, you know, thought very highly of because it's the beautiful foundation. We're, we're built on community. Our whole mentorship team is based on female leaders who just like, believe in a common cause being that all young girls should feel beautiful and all young girls should have a voice. And so that's that community. And then it's really cool because I jumping a few little trails over, but like my clothing line, um, I started that. Um, and I have this amazing community of retailers that support brands. And I'm like a very, I call myself a baby brand because I'm very tiny still, very small business, but I have this incredible collection of retailers that sell my clothing um, that so believe in like the purpose behind my clothing line and that I'm a young female entrepreneur and that's a whole other community that is there supporting me um, in a different light. And so 
community is just about, again, building, supporting, and, and being okay to also lean on one another. I think that's a big thing too that I've really learned about community is that it's definitely, um, it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to not be okay. And that community can be there to support you through that. Got it. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure um, when you first started reaching out to all these real retailers about your clothing brand, uh, what was your approach in, in being able to make that connection with them to, to really get your product on, on, on shelves or, or in their store? Um, again, the business side of me is just, I'm curious about that. No, absolutely. I, I get asked this a lot because uh, I did not, I did not uh, get a degree in business school. But um, so why I started the brand actually was because we ran out of funding for the organization. So that could have been like a second rock bottom I could have talked about. But for the longest time, the, the organization was not, it still is obviously not for profit, but I was using just my own money out of my own pocket to fund classes and to make it happen and I got to a point where we are growing and I was like can't keep funding this because I also you know was going to school and was living on my own and had all these bills to pay so I said there has to be a way that I can stop the bake sales I can stop the fundraising in in the way where we're only raising a couple hundred dollars you know every couple months and I came up with just the concept of a shirt that was empowering um we basically launched a female shirt and a men's shirt. We raised money. Um, all the proceeds went back to the organization and we sold out in three days and we had a bunch of like local influencers get involved and did like a really empowering campaign around it. And what I realized was that um, people loved this shirt, specifically the female shirt. They loved the quote that we had on it. They loved the style. They loved the fabric and they wanted more. And that was like, that was like a green light for me. It was like, okay, they're already looking for the next product. And so uh, the roster was built um, because we are building a roster of people or a community that rely on one another, but also um, uplift one another and inspire each other and believe in a common cause that like inner beauty exists in all of us. And so the roster clothing company was built. Um, and so proceeds still go back to the organization, but it is, yeah, almost like a full-time job for me now. Um, we're, I would say we're like 80% wholesale and 20% online retail. Um, so it's cool because being wholesale, I've connected with over 60 local retailers across Canada. And um, they're just like also amazing business owners who are like living their dream, whether they own eight boutiques or one boutique. All of them are so special in their own way. And I love that like my small clothing brand gets to be a part of their shop. Um, and I've never, I've maybe only met like literally a handful of the owners in my life, but the rest I've only just, I know through an email or I know through a phone call. Um, but that community has been really strong in like supporting me and believing in my clothing line and, and what we're doing. That's absolutely amazing. What, what, again, what you've been able to, to do with that and just uh, finding different communities um, and leveraging them in a way that you can, I guess, mutually grow. And, and, and it's amazing you have um, your community of, you know, personal development and empowering women to, to, to know that they're beautiful and they're special and they don't have to 
succumb to peer pressure or you know social media or what the societal standards are and you also have this beautiful community of young female entrepreneurs um you know who are doing something special with their life and, and also another um community of young female entrepreneurs specifically who are you know do, running a boutique store or um having their own little shop so it, it's amazing how all these communities all intertwine in a way and, and they, they connect beautifully. Yeah, everything's really like very diverse, but at the same time, like you said, so connected. Um, and like kind of like reflecting back on my terrible definition of community, but like in these stores, maybe at first they didn't so much believe in my product because they had never felt it, they had never seen it, they had never heard about it. But the fact that they were able to like believe in who I was as a person and then once receiving the product, then being able to touch and feel and sell it, they're like, okay, amazing. This is a brand that we truly can get behind and support, not only for the cause, but for the, the quality and the fit and the shape. Um, but yeah, everything kind of like loops around and like even the online community, like just as an example, it's connected you and I back together. And I mean, cause I haven't seen you in, in quite a few years, I wanna say, but it's so cool that the online community can reconnect people and broaden your community um and just kind of like again make connections that i feel really privileged to to be a part of that's amazing and you know what would you say to people who who may have an idea might have a passion might not but but they really want to make an impact in the community like where where do these people start what do you say to these people Oh, I think like you, you mentioned um, something really special earlier and that was that sometimes you can lean on people that have already done the same thing to then inspire you or maybe you skip some of those steps that you're kind of learning from their mistakes. So I think that would be one way. Like if you, if you're passionate about something, but you know, there's already a project or a company out there doing something similar, why would you not go and intern with them? Why would you not go and volunteer with them? Um, why would you not try to like sit on their board and be of influence? If you're so passionate that you want to like create even more change, I think that's something that like I'm always looking for is when we bring on new leaders and mentors, there's some really special people. You just, you just know their heart is in it. They want to so badly be a part of the movement. And so welcome them. Like as someone who is a leader in a leadership position, you also, I think, have the obligation to then like include people into your circle and be respectful and like listen and help build other leaders up. Um, but again, like if there's an idea that you have that's out there or that you think isn't done yet, then go and create it. And that's easier than said than done, obviously. But I think experience goes a long way. If you can speak to the change you want to see, if you do your research, if you um, can get work experience with that specific kind of passion you're looking at anything you can do to just build your knowledge about that topic or about that subject i think is really beneficial to like then uplifting to where you need to go for the next step that's that's absolutely amazing taylor um and you know before we we end things off here um i'm curious to to, to see you know what what you're your plan is you know where where does Taylor see herself in five years <laughs> the famous question um you know it's a tough one so we actually just became a registered Canadian charity as of uh thank you yeah as of December 31st and that was a huge milestone um 
Oh yeah. Huge milestone. It's something that like I've been working towards literally for six years. And the fact that uh, we now have that status, I think it kind of like shapes a better picture for me. Like I definitely see myself forever building this organization. Um, our goal is to take it across Canada. So my goal would, I think, be fully employed and running and traveling with the beautiful foundation. Um, we actually just started online classes due to the whole situation going on, obviously. Um, In-person classes aren't possible. So we actually are now reaching girls across Canada with online programming. Um, but yeah, I would say continue to grow the brand. I would love to... I think my dream would be like if we could have programs run in cities where like my clothing is sold. So like the boutiques that sell the clothing line can also offer these really beautiful programs for girls in their communities. I think that would be really unique. Um, and I just kind of want to keep people like changing the world and doing it with people that like also have vision and, um, and feel like they have a purpose and to show people their purpose. If that's joining my movement, if that's joining your team, I think it's, it's really unique to see how the world, especially right now is like coming together in beautiful ways and, uh, connecting with each other. So hopefully only upwards from here. I wouldn't say I have like concrete goals for the next five years, except that I just want to keep reaching more people and specifically reaching young women who I think really could benefit from having that sister relationship and also just having a little bit more uh, self-love in their life. That's absolutely amazing, Taylor. And thank you for, you know, taking the time to share your journey with us today and the importance of community. And, and like you said, I think there's a saying that says, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together or something yeah. like that. And it's I something like that. <laughs> it is. You actually might have, you might have gotten it on the dot, but it's, I know the exact quote you're talking about. Basically it's like, yeah, if you want to, if you want to go far, do it together, uplift one another. And there's that, there's another quote. I also don't know off the top of my head, but it's like, don't walk ahead or behind walk beside the person that and, and your group of people that um yeah you can impact more together than you can alone so that's beautiful taylor and how can people reach out to you um or learn more about beautiful if they want to get involved or you know even be the roster and and to, to to help support um where can people find more information about you and the organization and your clothing brand yeah i think um I mean, I feel like Instagram's a business card nowadays, but if, I think that's almost, almost is the easiest. Um, so at Taylor Lynn Huey, uh, would be my Insta personal Instagram handle, but I've tagged, um, both the companies. Yeah. That I run, um, in like my bio, but, um, the beautiful foundation.com, uh, would be where, or, sorry, beautiful foundation.com, uh, would be the website. If anyone's ever interested in like wanting to mentor, if you have a daughter or a niece or a sister that's between the ages of eight to 14, feel free to reach out. Cause we offer programs now across Canada. Um, and yeah, you can shop online with us at be the roster.com. So lots of different ways to go about, but, um, even with the spelling on the beautiful foundation, you know, it's like a little bit unique. So I always say to people like, try to just link back to me and then I can always forward you to the right page. Sounds like a plan. So, um, yeah, definitely reach out to Taylor via Instagram. And then from there, you have the little handles and tags that can take you to other pages and also websites or links that are associated with it. So 
Absolutely. And thank you so much for, for providing this platform. I have been listening. I listened to all your podcasts so far. Yeah. Um, they're phenomenal. But I also just think like it's, it's great to see how you are connecting so many people. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what people I connect with from this chat that we've had. Um, but thank you for also providing a platform just for individuals to express themselves and share their story. And you're an inspiration to us. So I appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much, Taylor. It means a lot. And uh, we'll definitely catch up soon. Once all yeah, this is sounds good. Once we can actually go for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Taylor. Hope you have a great day. And thank you again for everything that you've done and continue to empower women, continue to change the world. And just you're doing beautiful things. And, and I, I, I truly believe in the impact that you're going to make and the importance of self-love and uh, you know your body image and not succumbing to societal pressures and I feel like that's coming from a male like I've growing up I've seen that that there's more pressure on the woman than than the male in society unfortunately so I'm really grateful that you're bringing that into light for people to really have that honest conversation um, around this topic I think it's it's absolutely powerful oh thanks and to add one last thing like honestly I think even having a discussion between like male and female is so empowering about this topic, but also like whole other different conversation, but men's mental health. I, I truly do think there also needs to be more even discussion around that because like you said, there is a lot of, um, I think media, especially right now around female empowerment and female self-esteem. Um, but now more than ever too, I think we need to make sure that we're looping in all genders and being inclusive to everyone. Um, so I think you even talking about the subject is such a great step towards that because you're getting different viewpoints, different experiences that still can relate. So thank you for that. All right, Taylor, I'll let you get going. I know we're running short on time, um, but uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Sounds great. Thanks. Bye, Taylor. You're listening to the On The Rise podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs as we make our way to the top. Here is your host, known as the property shark, Mr. John Lee.